Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 142 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. You've climbed the mountains. You've survived the bear fights. How the heck are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm still coming down from being on vacation for a week, um, getting back kind of in the normal routine. But yeah, it was a fantastic vacation. And remind the good people out there, we'll introduce the show officially here in a second, but where did you go? So we went up to Maine, um, to Arcadia National Parks, and then we went over to New Hampshire and climbed Mount Washington, and then we went over to New York um, with Lake Placid, where the 1980s Olympic versus uh, the USSR was oh, won. Oh, yeah. Great movie. There was a movie uh, Kurt Russell, Miracle. I think, was in. Yeah. Yeah. Good film. Um, and then we came home. Uh, so it was about 13 hours of driving one day and 11 hours of driving another, and a good time. Good stuff. We'll get into all that and a lot more here in the very near term because this is Otaku Brothers and we talk about mostly video games. We also get into the TV and movie scene every now and again because it's just a freeform show. Ryan and I talk about whatever the heck we want to, but we've got to talk about the games that I've been playing recently, that you've been playing that while you've been, been traveling. Yeah. yeah, we do that every time we get behind the mics, which is a good time. And in the back half of the show, I kind of talked about in the beginning that occasionally we get into some TV show discussion. And recently, Obi-Wan Kenobi wrapped its six-episode run on Disney+. Plus. Stranger Things Season 4 Parts 1 and 2 officially released. So we are going to break both of those down, do a spoiler cast. We're not going to go too crazy. Probably have, you know, 10, 15 minutes apiece. Uh, not going to break down every scene, every episode, but just our general thoughts. But we will be going into spoiler territory and i'll be sure to mark and flag that in the show notes but we'll say that to the end so that you can cut off at the listener point if you haven't watched those shows yet and you intend to but ryan we also at the start of every podcast episode talk about our weeks what's been going down anything in our lives that we want to bring to the show and share with the listeners so do you want do you want to start or do you want me to kind of kick How about you off kick it here? off because I'm sure mine's going to be a little bit longer. Okay, good deal. Well, nothing much of note in the past couple of weeks has happened for Lauren and I, but Lauren did go to town this week for work. And so Scoob, my pup, and I were living the bachelor life for a few days, which was good times. We, we've just been binging shows, staying up way too late, watching movies, playing video games, everything you do when your significant other is out of the house, right? Sounds about right. That's what you got to do. But a couple weeks back, Lauren and I got the itch to go back to the islands, which you kind of have to do every couple of years. Yeah. You know the island I'm talking about? Uh, No, I do not. Okay. Well, you clearly haven't watched Lost. I was going to say, you guys go to like your Bahamas every so often. You decided to go to that trip again Mm -hmm. later this year. I'm like, is that the island? No. No, I'm talking about we got to go back. You got a Kate. plane crash into an island. Yeah. Okay, exactly. I got you. Oceanic Flight 815. <laughs> that's right. So Lauren and I started Lost again. This is my fifth time going through the series. Wow. I went through it when it originally aired. I remember watching the pilot with my dad. Went through the show. Each episode as it released starting back in, I believe, 2004. 
And uh, then I watched it again around 2012-ish when I was on an internship. And the uh, my, my friend of mine at the time, he was kind of like training me in the position I was in. He said, if you watch Breaking Bad, I'll watch Lost. And I was like, okay, that seems like a relatively fair trade-off. It's very fair. And I ended up, quick side tangent here, I ended up getting up to speed on Breaking Bad to be able to watch the final season live when it aired, Very which nice. was great because that last season is just uh, crazy, crazy good. Um, and then I watched it a third time when I met Lauren mm-hmm. in college, had her go through it again. And then we went through it a fourth time just two years ago during the height of the pandemic. Okay. That's when I got like halfway through it. Yeah. 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 But you've watched it back in college with us. Yeah. Back too. in co- I don't know if I watched episodes. We probably watched episodes A couple together. here and there. Yeah. That's when it was on Netflix, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, Netflix, you suck. You're losing all your good shows. I Friends, know. Lost, pretty much everything cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I need to go back through it. It was a fantastic show. It kind of gets wonky towards the end. Just, I don't know if the they didn't know where they're going or how they're going to end it, but I still loved it. So I have some tidbits on that because I always, each time I go through the show, I kind of forget how all that stuff kind of went down. Yeah. When it was coming out and releasing, you know, back in those early to mid 2000s. Because that's when they get into like Adam and... There's people that have not watched Lost yet. Okay. So don't, we're going to be doing no spoiler territory here. Very high level stuff. But what I will say, there are few shows nowadays. I actually don't think there's any, any shows on television that can rival the week-to-week conversations that stem from watching Lost. Because I remember watching it, I think it aired when I was about 6th grade, Hmm. 2004-ish, that would have been about 6th grade for me. Um, And I remember my buddy Trevor, we'd rush to the lunch table and we'd talk about each episode of Lost we watched on Wednesday nights, ABC. It was just, nothing will ever come close to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably Game of Thrones was probably the closest thing that to come close to it. Probably as far as as far as like a phenomenon. Yeah, um, Breaking Bad. I don't remember talking about that as much as like a Game of Thrones. What do you think is going to happen? I next? think the later seasons for Breaking Bad is particularly that last one yeah. with everything going down with Walt and Jesse and um, yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah, very very generic statements. <laughs> yeah, here, well, I'm trying not to spoil anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic stuff. But anyways, one of the things that is, I don't know, so fascinating to me about television. So back then, seasons of shows were generally like 20 to 22 episodes per season. Yeah, that's gone away so quick. Right. And so I did the math very back of the napkin, quick math. The first season of Lost, I think there's 25 episodes. That's how many episodes are in the first three seasons of Stranger Things combined. Wow. Are the episode lengths any longer? Because, I mean, Stranger Things are, what, an hour each? About an hour. And, you know, the Lost episodes have like, to take into account commercials because they yeah. aired on ABC back Maybe in the day. 30 minutes or 23 minutes. Yeah. I know, like, anime episodes are they're about 23 minutes because of those commercials of, like, seven. So you fly through those. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they are – some of the seasons are, like, 60 episodes. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it, it – it brings up this debate and this question that I think is worth bringing up briefly. We don't have to go too deep into it. But with something like Lost, yes, it's great to binge now because I've seen it. This is my fifth time going through it. And I still feel like I'm picking up on new details, even though I, I somewhat know 
the answers to a lot of the mysteries and questions that they raised in those earlier seasons. Yeah. There's some things that I'm like, even though I watched it two years ago, I'm still like, I don't, I don't know what happened with this particular character or I don't really know what, how they end up paying off this particular question or mystery that they brought up, you know, yeah. in season one or two. But nowadays with shows like Stranger Things, there's, there's little to no conversation being had because they drop eight episodes, they drop 10 episodes or whatever it is. You binge it all. You maybe throw out a tweet on the internet and then you move on with your life. It's also relatively like self-contained. Like within per season. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get into kind of the spoilers and some of the characters and stuff, but it, they wrap up each season really well with very minimal cliffhangers. Where, I mean, Lost is literally just all cliffhangers mm-hmm. and some answers, but yeah, I, I, I think they've definitely changed the format. They and have. probably more so due to like having online president or presses. President. Pre- president pre- jesus i can't talk i just said I precedent mean, dude it's all good no it's a uh, presence online or for like netflix and oh. those streaming services um i think they might have tried to change the format for that um but i i don't know i mean they'd still have the same like release schedule but i don't know you they need more cliffhangers and stuff like the stranger things well i think the, if they're going to go into like future seasons the question i was raising was more around like are we ever going to go back to an age where they release stuff like Stranger Things week to week? There are some shows like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is doing that. I feel like here and there, there's maybe a Netflix show that might drop an episode week to week. But more often than not, it's just like, hey, here's 20 episodes, binge it, no life it for a couple of days, and then move on and wait for the next Netflix exclusive or Disney Plus show or whatever. Uh, I think Disney Plus is week to week. I mean, with all their Mar- Marvel stuff. I mean, that was what killed WandaVision for me. I know Moon Knight was like that. Marvel, Miss Marvel is like that. Um, all the Star Wars stuff for the most part. I mean, they drop like one or two episodes and then they do week to week. Yeah, so um, it's striking that balance of like, we'll get into Obi-Wan eventually, but I feel like that would have been better served as a two and a half hour movie in the theater or yeah. just a two and a half hour movie that would drop on Disney+. Plus. But something like Lost if that show released today, one, I don't think it would do as well as it do, uh, as it did back then on a Netflix binging model, just because it it really required. I think the sex, success of it was often built on those mysteries and those conversations you had with your friends or going to work and talking about it. And whether or not your theories ended up paying off towards the end of the show, whether yeah. it's the smoke monster or what's in the hatch or, you know, who's Henry Gale or whatever the numbers, you know, four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42. I know those. I'm going to get them <laughs> Fucking nerd. tattooed on my face at some point. But, you know, all of those different things culminated into what it ended up becoming, whether or not people thought it, it answered those questions in a way that was satisfying. You know, that's, that's up to interpretation, but I missed that age where it was week to week. You and I could come to the podcast and talk about something like lost or a stranger things. But now it's like, no, we'll just wait until part two releases. We can binge it. And then we'll just talk about the whole season, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was a totally different type of viewing. Like that's where commercials were. You had to sprint to the bathroom within those like a minute, minute and a half uh, to make sure you don't miss anything. Screaming yep. up to your sibling saying like, hey, it's back on. And you just hear a thundering herd coming down from the upstairs. Um, 
Lost with so many episodes, I don't think people have the attention span to have a 25 episode season. Well, people's attention spans are fucked nowadays. It's pretty fucked, especially yeah. when you have like TikToks like seven seconds or, or those apps or like seven second videos, scroll to the next one. You're like, boof. boof well, it's so boof. bad because, you know, YouTube, I got somewhat back into releasing videos and if I release a video that's 25 minutes, the average viewing of that video is like two minutes and 20 seconds. Now, yeah. granted, I'm not, you know, adding all kinds of clips and interjections and, you know, sound bites or whatever to keep people engaged in that video. But it's just a testament to how people's engagement has gone down so significantly. Yeah, it's really bad. Consume, move on. That's it. Like for me, I usually watch like 30 minute YouTube videos for like gaming and things. Just because I'm like, it's enough to you get the gist of it and then you can kind of move on. Mm -hmm. But it's not so short that I'm like, why am I? I mean, you have commercials depending on how you're viewing it. And fuck YouTube's commercials on PS5. But like you feel like you invested enough time to kind of get the gist and your fix of it. Opposed to having to scroll through like six what minute long videos for sure um but maybe we're just getting old maybe those youths (laughs) on their short attention spans and their poor work ethic yeah (laughs) i remember in my day yeah but uh, but anyways getting back to the conversation on lost i'll keep it kind of brief because i do want to get to your uh your trip to maine and all that good stuff but you kind of asked a question you know did they really did the writers really know the story they wanted to tell or how they wanted it to end so on and so forth Again, I'm going to stray away from story story spoilers, but I did read into that. I'm on a, uh, season five right now, and I was just curious because, as you kind of alluded to, it does get really strange toward those later seasons. And that's five out of six, is that? Yeah, six okay. seasons. And the first three seasons had anywhere from 25 to like 23 episodes. And then when you get to season four, that's when the big writer strike happened. Yeah. So I think season four was cut in half. And then the writers came back to try and wrap up the season in a, you know, somewhat succinct and believable way. And then they came back with five and six. And those had anywhere from, I think, like 12 to 15 ish episodes. Six might have been even longer. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. Um, but anyways, so for those that don't know or are not aware, J.J. Abrams is the one who originally created and kind of pitched the idea of Lost. Yeah. So he was responsible for ultimately directing. I know the pilot, maybe the season finale some of those season one episodes and then he ended up going on and doing, you know, Star Trek, Super 8 and everything else he did. Yeah. Um, Force Awakens eventually, whatever. And Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. They kind of took on the show as showrunners, somewhat directing, writing, so on and so forth. But they only had a two year contract for the show to do seasons one and two. Okay. So as they were getting towards the end of wrapping season two, they were kind of talking to ABC and saying like, hey, we're raising these questions and creating these mysteries in a way that at the end of each season, we want to be able to have answers to those and kind of pay those off. But we can only strike that balance for so long. And for those that don't know what loss is about, these people crash land on an island and there's this back and forth where you have these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Each epo- episode is centered around a particular character, their journey on the island, but then also what their life was like before the island and how a lot of that ends up having an impact or consequences to the things that are happening on the island. Yeah. Just to kind of give you a general idea of Because there's what a good the amount of about. characters, so you need that 
kind of explanation of how they interact and why they're making some of the decisions they're making. Yeah, so, just it, great character building It's a overall, good structure. For sure. And the, the showrunners at the time were saying to ABC, like, we can only have so many flashbacks to a point where it just looks like we're just writing out of our ass, mm-hmm. you know? And they said, end of season three, we want it to end. And ABC was like, no, 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 no. You don't end a show that people are still watching, right? Yeah. Look at Walking Dead. That's just fucking going on forever, oh, right? Geez. I don't even know who's still watching that. But because AMC was probably like, no, Walking Dead, people are still watching it. Look how many characters are like, well, then I want written out because I don't want to do this show anymore. Yeah. Pretty like much. Most of the main characters. Most of the main characters. And so Damon and Carlton kind of had a similar vision of like, well, no, we have a succinct story we want to tell. We can tell it in three seasons. ABC said no. So they said, we'll, we'll, we'll have an end in mind, but you have to do 10 seasons. 10 seasons. 10 seasons. And Damon and Carlton like laughed at him and they said, absolutely not. We'll come back tomorrow with a counter to that. There's no way we're doing 10 seasons of Lost. There's no way we're going to have an audience, especially the people, the day one audience, people like me. How big was the audience at the end of Lost? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's kind of like Probably a, a, a or, downward yeah. spiral, um, especially when you get like past season four-ish. Yeah, I think that's when a lot right. of the audience probably dipped out um, because season three ends in a way that's one gut-wrenching, but also raises some new questions that I think are pretty interesting. Yeah. But then when you get into season four, they introduce these new mysteries that are kind of like a little out there. Just, I mean, talking somewhat in code. So the end of season three is where I got to at the like during COVID and they introduced some stuff. Does four go into that type of stuff, like deeper into it? Mm-hmm. What's kind of like the in the finale of three? Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, I found that interesting. Um, I might be a rare case, but like I, I found all of it really interesting. Just going in, knowing it goes off the rails and just all hell breaks loose but yeah yeah and then they came back the following day and said listen there's no way we're doing 10 seasons and you're gonna have to find new showrunners new writers because we're out we're out after season three and and abc said what if you did six and they said okay we'll do six seasons and that's where they ultimately landed nice and i can say with absolute certainty i don't watch shows five times especially how many episodes are packed into lost unless i loved it Mm mm-hmm I, I can say with certainty that Lost is my favorite show of all time. Wow. N- not because it wraps up in a way like Breaking Bad where they tie this perfect little bow at the end of the show in any meaningful way. But there's so it's the characters. The characters are great. I mean, the yeah. character building in season one is second to none because there's so many people that they have to get the audience to buy in on and fall in love with. And they do it in a masterful way. And even if some of those character arcs and stories end in some pretty disappointing ways in later seasons, I feel like other characters end in some really special ways. Um, I think they struck a pretty decent balance given how much they had to deal with. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember too much like filler stuff. It was mostly trying to move forward. There's definitely a number. Of I guess if you have 25 episodes, episodes there's going to be filler, but like, it was the filler was either characters you don't like and their kind of backstory or like 
hey, we're going to dig up this thing for like 40 episodes. <laughs> well, there's stuff. one episode in season f- three or four. I can't remember what it was. Um, for anyone that's familiar with Lost, I'll just say the title and like a little snippet and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's called Expose. It was two characters that were on the plane that really were just there for this episode and no other episodes for the most part. Sp- spiders. That's all I'll say. I I must have completely forgot about it because it was, yeah, filler. It, it's a filler episode, but it makes for fantastic entertainment. It's so good. Okay. But the last thing I'll say is if you have not watched Lost, yes, it gets a little weird in later seasons. But even if you only watch it for the first three seasons and just say like, yep, maybe this isn't for me or just the first couple episodes, watch the pilot, watch that pilot and literally DM me, shoot me a note on Twitter, whatever. Watch that pilot and try and tell me that like, no, this just is not intrigued intrigued at all. Yeah. Nothing about this excites me. I don't know how anyone can watch the pilot. And walk away from that and just saying, yep, yep, I don't think so. Yeah, it was a fantastic pilot. I saw that, what, going into my freshman year of high school. So I was a little bit behind. Or, yeah, that might have been around, what, graduated in 11? So that might have been a year after the first season ended. Or, like, going into second season. Like, 2007. Oh. If it started in 2006. No, it started in, like, 2004-ish, I think. Oh, then I'm, like, three seasons behind at that point, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, shit, we got to binge watch this entire season. Mm-hmm. I think I got like eight episodes in in one night. Oh, yeah, it's it was, easy to do. It's very yeah. easy to do. I mean, listen, I started season one. Two Yesterday, we- I'm on season four. <laughs> yeah, I started it like two weeks ago and I'm already on season five. So I might need to borrow that again. Yeah, you can yeah. take some home with you tonight. Nice. After the recording. I just one last thing, because we've gone on for like 20 minutes about Lost, which is easy to do. For like sitcoms like Friends or The Office, were those going 20 episodes? I mean, it's been so long since I've watched The Office, but were those 20 episode seasons or were those a little bit shorter? The first season of The Office, I think, was only like five or six episodes because they were obviously borrowing from the British office and they didn't know if it was going to be successful in America. Because I hated the first uh, season of The Office. It's pretty terrible. Yeah. I mean, just like Parks and Rec. It's just like they're trying to find their groove. I want to say season two of The Office kind of gets up there more in the 20 episode range. But then, again, the writing strike happened around probably season three or four as well because this was on NBC not ABC. And I think some of those middle to later seasons also had more around like maybe the 10 to 12 episode range. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. We'll have to go back and check. But I think the, again, I keep saying the last thing I'll say because Carlton Cuse and Damon went to ABC and negotiated their vision for the show. I think that really paved the way for people like Vince Gilligan and breaking bad to say, listen, this show is not going to go on for 20 seasons. Yeah. Jesse and Walt's story is only going to be believable for like five to six. This is the story I want to tell. This is how I want to end it. And they were like, go for it. And I think in a similar way, even though I don't like the way it ended, um, DB, whoever, the two guys that did Game of Thrones, they went to HBO and said, hey, we're out after this season. We want to end it here. And that was also contingent on their, we're going to do a Star Wars trilogy or whatever that never ended up happening. That's true. But the point being, like they negotiated with their studio to say, hey, and I think because they did it with Lost to say like, hey, if this show went on 10 seasons, it would have been a pretty big flop. Yeah. You know, Um, 
but I think because they negotiated the six seasons, it was a lot better. Yeah, I think so too. So anyways, Ryan, that's my week. Just been watching a ton of Lost, which is makes for good times. It does. Makes for, for good sure. times. But what about you? What was the trip like? Did you have fun? Tell me all about it. Yeah, it was fantastic. So this is the first first like father-son trip I took with my dad. And it was supposed to like turn into I just kind of exploring national parks, like similar to what my mom and dad have been doing um, like three or four times a year now that they're going towards retirement. And it turned into us just like hiking up mountains, just basically. So we had two days of driving out of the eight. And then within the six, we hiked maybe five of those. So it was a lot of hiking, but it was a ton of fun. So like most of the time we were pretty sore. Um, so we took off that Thursday, Friday, I think the 29th and the 30th of June. Um, the first day we got up at like 2.30, got on the road by like 3.20 or so and drove just straight into Maine mm-hmm. for like 13 hours straight. And did it, you guys listen to like any Otaku Brothers podcast episodes? We did not. No, oh. we listened to some jams. Um chatting uh no real video games in the car just kind of observing the countryside go through a few states like pennsylvania new york new hampshire i'm sure i'm missing one up that in that vicinity and then we finally got into maine we got up to freeport so it was maybe three hours from where we wanted to be in arcadia the next day um but in freeport there's a ton of outlet stores so there's a ton of savings um ended up going to the north face store and getting a tent which was like 50 percent off which is might as well why not get a tent so it was like a fan i think it was a six person tent is the one that dad got never gonna know when you're in a crash land on an island need one of those yeah maybe you're lost and you're playing crashes Mm -hmm. um so that was that was the first day and that night we basically just fell asleep Mm -hmm. it was um tell me about the food tell me about you know what what kind of food you eat you know um so that first day before we got to Freeport, we ended up getting a lobster roll, mm. which is fantastic. It's basically like, you know, the Cane's um, chicken. No, the the bread, the Texas toast kind mm. of. It's basically like a Texas toast, which is like kind of a buttered bread that's like um, crisped up and then cut in half. And there's just a mound of just like lobster and kind of this mayonnaise. Um, oh, it was fantastic. Mm. Um, so that was basically all we ate that first day uh, because most of the day was driving. And then the second day is when we actually got to Arcadia. Um, so we're – and for anyone who wants to do hiking, there is a great app to get, which we found probably a little too late in the trip, uh, about halfway through. But it's called All Trails. All? All. A-L-L. A-L-L Trails. Okay. And no spaces. And there's a free version, is which is what we use. There's a pro version, which is like 30 bucks a year. But it allows you to download maps. It shows you the uh, the difficulty of the trails, the altitude change. The I guess it allows you to see pictures for people who have actually done the trails, see reviews of like, hey, this is muddy. Like, this is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's thousands of pictures reviews per trail which is great nice um so we ended up just by searching around like best things to do in arcadia this is up in maine off the coast um Dude, chill out over sorry. there get too fidgety again <laughs> we ended up going to thunder hole um in the morning at high tide and that's basically 
um, kind of like a crevice in the side in the coast that has like an overhang that the water at high tide splashes up like 40 feet mm. and just makes a thunderous, I guess, noise. Um, so we spent some time kind of climbing over rocks. Um, in national parks, you're not supposed to pick up rocks. No. Uh, because I think it's like a $1,000 fine and like six months in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just observing rocks. Sure. There. Yeah. You didn't take any home. <laughs> no, not at all. We didn't break our backs. Nope. And... Um, so we saw Thunder Hole. Um, it wasn't a super active day. We got maybe like a six to ten foot kind of spike in the water going into the the cove, um, which was pretty cool. And then we started going on this trail. And the biggest uh, mountain in Arcadia is Cadillac Mountain. And it was about a 1,500 uh, foot ascent um, or altitude change um, from the base and what we ended up doing is coming up from the north side. Um, so we parked, walked our way up to kind of the starting area, and there was no clear path. It was basically like a stony, just stones up, maybe like a 70-degree incline, and then just no path markers. Did you guys have like pickaxes and all kinds of stuff? We uh, <laughs> we probably should have for one of the places we i'm just went. imagining like stallone's cliffhanger movie you know you're just hanging from mountains oh yeah we we had bear spray we just had axes we were going full wilderness mm-hmm. um so we ended up like kind of seeing footpaths but like not fully knowing where we were at and then eventually we maybe after 20 minutes of just kind of wandering around this wilderness we find like a blue marker or like a blue paint swatch on one of the rocks which is the clear indication that we're on a path mm. and we start walking one direction and we're like, we're on a hill. We're like, are we close to the top? Like that was really quick. And there's this couple that comes down walking from the op- the same direction that we're coming. And we're like, Hey, so are we close to the top? Like this seems pretty tall. And <laughs> they just kind of look at us like the fuck are you taught? Like, are you idiots? We're like, they're like, no, just like they, they ended up pointing like in the opposite direction that we had been coming from. It's like, it's that way. And you, you're about a quarter of the way there and you haven't even gotten to like the hard stuff. And we're like, oh, okay, thanks. And they're like pretty concerned for like how disoriented we were. Um, and then we ended up just making our way up there. And it was maybe for the first half, it was not challenging but like not too super inclined Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like woods with a gradual incline maybe like 20 degrees or so um and then like as people were coming down eventually we're trying to like understand where we were just to brace how much energy energy we can kind of expend because it's very much like uh sam and frodo making their way to mount doom it's like I don't know if we're going to have the energy for the return journey, Frodo. Like, yeah. do we have Lammas bread? We weren't allowed to bring Lammas bread because of the bears, but like... Did you at least call the eagles when you got to the top? <laughs> we Oh, for sure. We got ice cream with the eagles. Nice. They decided not to bring us down, so we had to walk, but... Yeah, so we were... By, like, halfway, we're like, oh, crap. Like, we talked to some people. They're like, it's going to get really rocky up, up ahead. And we're like, I don't know what that means. Because, like, dad's really into rocks. How rocky is rocky? relative to what we're used to rocky it got (laughs) it got really rock rocky we got the rock there we got rocky balboa just just a ton 
Um, so wait a second. I don't know what you just said. Did you stuff your bag with rocks? Not on the way up. Okay. On the way down, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. We we got maybe I think over the entire trip we got like three hundred and fifty pounds of rocks. Okay. So like a little bit more than the trip we had in Colorado, That's where I got like one rock. Up, actually. <laughs> well, there's one, and you Dad will probably show it to you today. We kind of after the two days we spent in Arcadia, we went rocking before we left. Uh, to rocking, g- rocking, like rocking chairs, or like is there actually like yeah, a- like you're looking for rocks, so you're rocking. I don't think that's a hobby. I think that's it's a, a it's crime. a hobby for Dad. <laughs> that's a crime. Um, it we were, I think we were out of the national park at that point, um, but there was this like 120 pound giant like really. It had a lot of surface area, so it was really good for putting in a garden. And it's just this beautiful blue with, like, these wavy gray. All right, so back to the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) I lose you when we talk about rocks. You uh, lose me a lot, right on this podcast. I don't know if it's just uh, when we talk about rocks. Rocks, Elden Ring. Yeah. RuneScape. Pretty much anything that starts with R. Pretty much. Um, So we got halfway up. They said it was going to get really rocky. And then quickly after that, it became... Like almost like the stairs going up to Shellob's lair. And not not fully because that was the mountain we climbed the next day. But like it, it got pretty steep. Um, so we're climbing up there. We're like, okay, wow. This is what ma- like climbing mountains is like. And then eventually we got maybe three-fourths the way through. We could finally kind of see the peaks off in the distance. We're like, are we going to make it? Maybe I'll carry you if I have to. We're going to destroy this ring. And then we got to kind of a giant opening where we could see maybe not full 360 degrees around, but like we could see a big portion of just the bay, the harbor. We could see the ships out there and it was just in a beautiful view. Nice, dude. Maine. Good stuff. Uh, eventually we got to the top. The top wasn't as great as some of the like the lower stuff just because of how populated it was. Because mm-hmm. the top of Cadillac, you could actually drive up there. Oh. So like what my parents did because they're not stupid is they drove up there in the morning mm. because you have to like you have to buy a ticket to see the sunrise at like 4 30 or something and that's a a very touristy kind of thing to do we ended up hiking up there taking like a picture yeah you're not basic yeah we ain't no bitches yeah and we grabbed some ice cream refilled the packs um and i think that's where we got the shirt for my mom and then we started coming down the mountain and we got to like where it kind of opened up and that's where we started looking for rocks kind of as a like a souvenir like i don't need any i mean i got one shirt there like over the trip um but i'm not like a huge souvenir person just because mostly i don't have the room Mm -hmm. um but like i have one rock from the path that we hiked uh back in colorado and then I got one rock on Cadillac, which is the only rock I personally took. Um, not in the national park. Sure. Yeah. But it, it was a, it was, so depending on the region you go, like rocks are very different and you can tie basically, I tie the memories back to that rock. Hey man, some people get trinkets on vacation. Do. Some people get rocks. But it, so like out West you have really red rocks and then out here it was kind of red, but there was this beautiful kind of uh, green rock, but it was cut almost in half, and it was a very smooth cut, almost like someone cut it with a knife, and inside it was just this 
deep, almost obsidian type black. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a really pretty rock and dad got jealous. So I had to find another one uh, for him to grab uh, before we went full nuts on rocks. Um, so we ended up climbing maybe a quarter of the way down and we got to the point where it was kind of the first uh, portion of like kind of the last opportunity for us to walk down the road that people could drive up to get to the top and dad's like there's no way like there's no way in hell we expended all of our energy we were pretty much dead Mm -hmm. so we ended up and for some reason we were like 20 pounds heavier on our packs at that point we ended up walking down the three mile windy road down the mountain and kind of got back to our car nice so it was a good day we just had no idea what we were walking into um we i mean dad hasn't worked out since the start of covid which is i think the last time we worked out together um and i'd worked out but like climbing mountains is a whole different a little bit different than walking on a treadmill yeah a little bit i mean even stairs you're like fuck um so we got down we got to our car and we are 100 percent dead and we're like okay we need to go into get some food and then just go back to the room and crash um, and kind of the preppier area, the more touristy area in Arcadia is Bar Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to Bar Harbor to get some food, um, ended up getting fish and chips, some margarita, I think, and some clam chowder. The clam chowder was really good. Nice. And I'm not a huge like clam person um, just because of texture, but it was very th- uh, like a very thick chowder. And it was I mean, fantastic. you got to get it when you're in the air. I'm like, yeah. Pretty much in all of Maine, I only got fish yeah. because you have to. And then like when I was in New York, I'm like, I'm a few states removed from the coast. I'm allowed to eat other things just by yeah, virtue of where I'm at. So we ended up eating like I had my margarita. We had our chowder. Dad didn't touch his fish and chips. Like <laughs> just looking over at him, he was like running on fumes. He was so he's like, I've never been this tired. Like he just your dad's cooked. no spring chicken anymore. No, I mean, yeah, but like he also does a ton of yard work. So like, yeah, he's no, yeah, he's no novice when it comes to like hard work outside. But like this just hit us like buses. So he he didn't have the energy to eat. I ate my fish and chips, and we started like walking back to the car. We're like, oh god, it's it's so far, like all four blocks. And like on this, like as we were going back with our our uh, goodie bot bags from the restaurant. We see that same couple that had given us directions at the bottom of the mountain. Oh, nice. And they're like, hey, it's you guys. Like, we didn't think you were going to get off that mountain. We thought you were going to die up there. Yeah. We're like, cool. Like, I'm glad you have faith in us. And granted, that was a very reasonable response. You all right over there? I'm, I'm trying to sign back into my uh, computer real quick. Okay. Ryan, sign back in. What's up? All right. I'm back. Um, so yeah, we ended up getting back to the hotel after they thought we died. Um, and there, we kind of went on our merry way, completely crashed. Um, I think we watched bad boys, whichever the new one is. Oh, the third one. The Will Smith one. Yeah. Bad boys six return of Will Smith and dad crashed within the first couple minutes. And then we, we uh, woke up the next day and the next day we wanted to do something that was a little less difficult because we were still pretty sore from that hike. Um, we ended up walking around. It's called Jordan's Pond, which is actually a lake. Um, so you walk around half of it. It's about a mile and a half. 
And then this is where we got to, it's called the South Bubble. And it's two kind of mountains that look like a north and uh, south kind of hill, but they're they're about 1,200 um, altitude change. Um, and this is where it basically was the steps up to Shellops. It was just rocks, and I felt like I was climbing the stairs, like there was going to be Gollum at the top, and like, haha, you're dying right now. Um, great view at the top. Make our way back down um, and walk around the other side of the mountain, or uh, the other side of the pond. And the funny thing about this south bubble trail that we took is right before we started kind of looking out over the pond is we were looking at the map of like, Hey, let's, where do we think we should go? Do we want to suffer that like this much or or how sore are we? And we were like, Hey, we hear someone say like, Hey, it's you guys. It's the exact same couple. Oh, wow. That it saw us, uh, and thought we died. No, we just ran into them again. Like apparently we're on the same schedule. Um, it, it was just funny kind of mapping out like they're giving us some tips of like, here's how you don't die. You kind of want a water bladder. Um, and then we made our way up to Bubble and we ended up taking a picture, a picture with them. Good. And it turns out they were from Ohio as well. Oh, wow. So it, it, everyone seems to be from Ohio at some point. Small world. Yeah. yeah. But really cool. Um, they're married like 30 years and this is just kind of what they like to do is go out hiking. Very so. cool. Very cool. Um, so the next day, um, we ended up having uh, kind of a, a drive day. We ended up uh, going to Cape Elizabeth, which is just this a beautiful lighthouse out there, and then going to um, kind of a, not a dive bar, but kind of a hole-in-the-wall type place that you wouldn't expect to have amazing food. Those are the best kind of places. Yeah, they, it's by far the best food I had on the trip, like by a long shot. And it, we had unlimited haddock. Nice. Um, it was, I had like five fillets and I was just stuffed for the rest of the day. And then I had another lobster roll to go. Nice. Um, so best food. Um, if you're ever at, in Brewer in Maine, Eagle's Nest is where you want to go for food. That's the hole in the wall place? Yeah. Eagle's okay. Nest. Eagle's Nest. Um, so it opens at 11. Get there, just pound fish. Nice. Good um, stuff. So the next day we ended up going to Mount Washington. It's, I think it has the most severe weather ever recorded, which is like 143 mile per hour winds at the top. So pretty crazy up there. Um, ended up hiking up to the lake about halfway to the peak, which is just a beautiful sight, kind of looking over um uh, lion's head which is the peak in front of mount washington we didn't fully go up that one because it was a hell of a trek and we would have died um also about halfway up the wind is about 35 miles per hour and it was about 50 degrees so going up to the peak we were in almost like under armor kind of uv protection um, but at the peak it's like 40 degrees so we were not kitted out for going all the way up but a be- beautiful views, um, definitely work, worth hiking if you're out in that uh, neck of the woods. Um, we also stayed at a place that had like a, a putt-putt course. Hell yeah. So that was that was Finally, a lot of something fun. I can get in on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was a cool amenity. Did you guys um, use it? Yo, yeah, hell yeah. Okay. I suck at putting, apparently. it's I'm a little rusty. Hmm. Um, 
but yeah, the uh, we ended up ferrying. Um, so Mount Washington is the only mountain we climbed there. We ended up using the next day for driving, mm-hmm. made our way over to New York. We ended up ferrying ourselves over La- Lake Champagne or Sh- Champlain. You could just make stuff up at this point. I Lake Champagne. Sure. It was just pure alcohol. Budweiser like, River. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So we drove, which is my one of my biggest fears is drowning in a car. Mm-hmm. Drowning. Is there a D in there? It's like Kroger's, dude. I can add letters to words. Whatever. Sure, why not? Uh, drowning in a car um, is so iRobot's a rough one for me. That opening scene, mm. but we took a ferry, so we drove onto the ferry, and they drove us across this lake when it was starting to storm. Mm. Um, so it was a little choppy um, and a twenty-minute ride that I was uneasy for. But made our way over there. Um, the next day, we went to hike. Went over to Lake Placid, which is. Like I said earlier, where they had the miracle movie, which uh, kind of that hockey, um, we won versus the USSR. Cool. Um, ended up getting a cool shirt. Got to see um, the arena that they ended up winning in. And that's where we um, ha- hiked our final mountain, which was uh, Mount Cas- or Cascade Mountain. Which was just beautiful. Good um, stuff. So that was another fifteen hundred altitude change, but in those in that mountain range, there's like forty six peaks, and we chose uh, Cascade, and it was just a three sixty view of just mountains, and it was gorgeous. So next day, drove eleven hours home, got to see the puppy. Um, she. Luckily, mom had the bright idea of chaining her outside in the back so she didn't pee all over the house. But she she didn't know what to do. She, like, started barking at us because she's like, who the fuck is in our backyard? Like, I got to kill him. And then she saw it was, like, my, me and then my dad later. And she was just so happy. And it was it was great. Like, the last hour of an 11-hour drive, you're just like, I just want to be home. Yeah. And just like, <laughs> I'm pretty done with this. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, a good three days after to kind of – get back into reality and kind of realize that I have to eventually work again. You always kind of need a vacation after your vacation, especially if you travel somewhere and you're not just doing a stay at home kind of deal because yeah, you have to reacclimate yourself to the real world, recognize that, Hey, in three days, man, I got to sign on for eight hours of meetings and I have like 4,000 emails to look up and yeah, respond especially to taking two days off. But I'm really glad it was three days and not just a two-day weekend. Like, we came back with that Friday as well. Mm-hmm. Like it, I definitely needed the full three days. Yeah. But overall, sure. I it was a fantastic time. Um, if you ever plan on going hiking, definitely bring a crap ton of water. Like, a water skin is surprisingly nice to have. Instead of, like, having to pull out water bottles, you can basically just string it through your kind of the strap. And you can just drink through the... Uh, bag in your yeah your bag, mm-hmm. um. But yeah, no bears, no moose sightings. That's good. That's good. Um, surprisingly little wildlife on those trails. Mm. Um, but they were they were probably watching us. Probably. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had fun. You hit th- the big three zero. I did. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I'm thirty. Yeah. Uh, as of July fifth. Crazy stuff, man. How you feel? No different. No different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No gray hairs yet. Uh, I definitely have some gray hairs thanks to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is, man. You just keep trekking along. <laughs> yep. You got to. You got to. Well, I'm glad you have fun. We got to talk about some of the games, though, that we've been playing recently. Hell yeah. 
Why don't you get us started, Ryan? Did you end up taking that old switch on the trip with you? I did. Yeah, actually, before I went on the trip, um, I think it was maybe the Wednesday or something before, um, we ended up starting Jedi Fallen Order. That's right, we did. Uh, probably off of that Kenobi hype, I would think. Yeah, I think so. Um, I got through Kashyyyk, uh, or at least the starting part of it. Maybe Kashyyyk? Kashyyyk. Why do you say it like a sheet of paper? It's Kashyyyk. Shakira. Uh, does it have a K at the end? It does. Kashyyyk. Shik- say it with me. Say Ka. Ka. Sha. Sha. Kisha. Shakisha. No. Say Ka. Ka. Sheik. Sheik. That's it. Kashyyyk. There it is. Cool. It's the Wookiee planet. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I ended up getting there. Um, you you hop onto that planet in a really cool ATAT uh, ride in. Yeah, overall, I had a lot of fun with it. It's basically Sekiro um, with lightsabers, but it doesn't have the polish that I remember it having. Yeah, man. And we're even playing the PS5 patched version. That was my 2019 game of the year. And going back to it for me, I won't go too deep into it. I want you to continue talking about it. But I don't know. There's just something about it that just doesn't do it like it did for me back then. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see myself loving it at the time. Um, I remember we... We played the what, like the first nine hours. Oh, we straight. just binged the hell, and out we of were it, yeah. dying. This is at your old apartment where yeah. I'm at, and we were dying laughing just because of glitches and stuff. Yeah. Um, the level design is a little rough, and there's no way to like fast travel or anything. That's one of the biggest like, glaring omissions from that game is not being able to fast travel between those meditation points. Which that or you, even back to your ship. Like, I'd yeah. be fine just back to the ship. Yeah. I mean, because the meditation points are basically the equivalent of bonfires in Dark Souls, mm-hmm. and they're scattered all over the map. And if you've never played Jedi Fallen Order, it the map is kind of structured. It's very hologram-like. So if you've played those earlier Metroid games, Metroid Prime type of stuff, that's how the, the map is structured. Mm-hmm. And it's just difficult to know where you're at on that map at any given time. Yeah, because there's three different levels to each of the holograms when it shows your map. Um, so as far as like collectibles go, <sighs> it, it's just a mess to try to find. And then I think every Dark Souls game has the ability to teleport at the bonfire. I know one, allow- you have to get to a certain point, but like you're allowed to teleport between bonfires. So like having that out in what was 2019 Mm -hmm. is really late in the game to not have that feature Um, overall the gameplay is pretty good as far as like reflecting it i ended up like post vacation um, my coworker um, who i got into dark souls he beat dark souls 3 he's starting instead of bloodborne he's starting sekiro first and he got through a first couple of madman he i Hey, more power to him. It's going to make the parry mechanic in Bloodborne way easier. But he got through a few of the mini bosses, and I ended up picking that one up. Just like, that sounds like a fun thing to do, especially coming off of Jedi Fallen Order. And that game holds up so well. Like, that one definitely deserved the game of the year that it got. Like, it, as far as the parry mechanic, everything, it's just to the, the from soft quality. Um, so I, I think. If I ever get a final platinum trophy, that would be the one that I'd be working towards. Um, but I, I'm just trying to keep up to where he's at. 
as far as my character goes. Mm. Uh, but definitely really fun to get back to that one. Um, I played some like tinier games just on the road, um, just like click games, mm. um, just to keep my mind as I'm like sore as hell, just sinking into my bed. Um, and then like maybe midway through my vacation, I ended up bringing, uh, what was it? Mario Galaxy. Heck yeah, man. So this was one of my uh, gentlemen's challenge games for the Tarkaron guys. And I know you had tried to push me to play through it when we got that trilogy of games. the N- Mario 3D All-Star Collection. Yeah. yeah, so I played through N64. I definitely played through Sunshine fully because that was my favorite. Um, but Galaxy, I maybe got to the first world and just never got to a save point. And I just... I think I was all Mario'd out mm. at that point, which I didn't want to push it because I know you were talking it up so much and I didn't want to screw up my experience. But actually playing through it now, I have about 14 stars left until I can get to the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what goes on there, but maybe the final Bowser fight. Probably. As those games Reasonable uh, assumption. The assumption, yeah. And it's a ton of fun. Like, I love the variety um, in each one of the worlds. So the way it's set up is you have maybe five or six galaxies that you go to. And within each galaxy, there's maybe four or five worlds before Bowser. Mm-hmm. And you have to... I like that it's it's not stargated within a specific galaxy like Sunshine is. So like Sunshine, each world, to you have to do like seven stars to get to Shadow Mario. And then you're allowed to do Bowser. Or you're... Like, you have to do that for every one of the worlds. But in um, Galaxy, it's each uh, world is just gated on the number of stars. Mm. So if you don't like one of the worlds or some of the levels, um, you don't have to do them. You just have to do other stars in other galaxies. Um, So I've just been slowly grabbing stars. The music's fantastic. Um, I like... I mean, the form. you're always going to get a formula with Mario... Um, but basically, you're hop within each one of the worlds in the galaxies. You're just hopping between um, planets, and it's a lot of fun. There's some races. I'm never good at races. Mm. Um, there was one where you're like, I don't know if you were. You mean like when you're timed, like surfing? Yeah, timed races type things, um, but not to the extent that I hated the Spyro timed flying races. Yeah, that's kind of a time and place. They don't really age well. <laughs> no, but overall, I I'm having a great time. I'm going to try to probably wrap it up uh, this weekend, try to get those remaining 14 stars. Um, I got Monster Hunter Sunbreak when I got back. Oh, that boy. launched on, I think, July 1st or is something. Is this like an offshoot of Rise, or is this just its own game? So similar to World and then Iceborne, it's basically... So base game for World and Rise are its low rank, high rank which are basically the easier monsters and then a higher, harder variant with more like um, more monsters. And then you have Master Rank, which is what Iceborne is adding and what Sunbreak is adding. So these are like the, the monsters to kill all monsters. Essentially, yeah. So you get to the harder variants of like the monsters you fought in the base game plus new monsters. So like usually if Iceborne dictates what Sunbreak does... It basically doubled the roster of monsters along with making everything way harder. Oh, God. Um, Sign me up for that, man. Harder is always better. It's a ton. I mean, so you end up 
it you basically restart the game, which a lot is a lot of fun, just mixing and matching because the first monster, like so, you beat the first game, you have end game, you grind out end game uh, armor, weapons, and all that, and the second you hop into the first monster within this master rank, it completely obsoletes everything. Even the first monster obsoletes the end game in the base game. Um, so you're basically restarting and it's a fun journey to kind of figure out mix and match sets. Uh, I haven't started that one, but when I went to download that, I went back t- after I went back to Mario, it completely wiped out all of my lives I'd saved up. That's weird. In Galaxy, and I don't know why that would happen. Maybe just because it's within that trilogy set and not its own specific game, it just doesn't log it. I don't know. But I had like 95 weird. lives and then I came back and I had three and like I died like really consistently on this one world coming back. I'm like, I did. It's a Mario game, so I'm not going to wipe out my save if I lose all my lives. I'm sure it'll like, hey, here's a few more. No, you go back to the start of the game. Well, then fuck. I'm never beating Mario Galaxy <laughs> or I need to grind. I found a place to grind three lives consistently, like pretty quick, make a 30 second or 40 second run to get three lives. It just doesn't sound fun to grind live, so I'll, I'll end up doing that and beating it maybe this weekend. But mm. overall, a ton of fun. Um, can't wait to see how it ends. Yeah, you'll love it. I mean, it's I made a top 20 games of the Wii 360 PS3 generation on YouTube way back when. I won't say where Mario Galaxy fit on that list, mm-hmm. but uh, if I recall, it was pretty high on my top 20. Yeah, I'd assume so. I mean, for the amount of praise you've given it, mm-hmm. especially when the set came out. Oh, the soundtrack, too, is just phenomenal. It's so good. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't always have it at high blast, but the worlds that I did listen to were awesome. Fuck you, man. Not listening to the music <laughs> games. It's like you try and do that to me. No, I, I mean, I'll listen to the soundtrack. I still have to go through and get all the other lo- or the stars. Yeah. Um, but it's hard when there's. I, I was just playing it in the room with Dad. Yeah, I was too so busy listening to my techno plans. music when I'm playing The Legend of Zelda. It's like- no, we, we saw a few movies. Um, we ended up watching... So we watched Bad Boys, and then we watched Tenant. Oh, Christopher Nolan's next movie. Yeah, and that was trippiest, all sin. Yeah. Like, it was... That's the one where, like... Some people are moving forward in time and some people are moving back in time. And it has um, Cedric Diggory in it. What's his face? Twilight guy. Oh, and Robert Pattinson. Yeah, Pattinson. Um, he was in there. I can't remember if there are any other. Idris Elba was in that movie, I thought. I don't think it was him. Maybe I'm thinking of another film. Yeah, but it, it was it was interesting mm. for sure. Lauren and I ended up watching Quick Side Tangent. Is that all the games you've been playing? Yeah. Laura and I watched uh, Uncharted. Oh, the new one. Last week, yeah. How was that? It, it was good. I mean, for all the reasons that people have thrown criticism at it, like nothing that's too surprising. Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Mark, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is yeah. just not I don't, Sully. He's not a good actor. Like, after watching La La Land and seeing, like, Ryan Gosling's range uh, across, like, the movies he's done, uh, both action and then, like, the notebook and then this one with i don't know if he was actually playing the piano and tap dancing he was stuff. he was he basically um because john legend is in la la land yeah he's a classically trained pianist he's phenomenal um they said to ryan gosling like hey we can have um a double in and film that person's hands and then your face 
and have them play the piano or we can CGI it in after the fact. And he said, absolutely not. So for three months, he trained for like three hours a day, six days a week. And all those scenes where he's playing the piano, he's actually playing. Yeah, he did a really good job. Yeah. And then so like looking at him and his range of emotion that he can portray on film. And then we watched we watched like a lot of Transformers because they were on on, terrible and like Mark Wahlberg's in like a few of them. And then looking at, he's just not a good actor. He's a one note guy. He is. He's just, you know. He can't have a range of emotion. He's just, I've been wronged. I need to shoot stuff kind yeah, of guy. The shooter, Italian job, Transformers, whatever. He's a one note actor for sure. And not that you need, you know, a Heath Ledger performance for Soli uh, that, that he played in the Joker or anything like that. But he doesn't even look like Soli. No. At all. Um, but anyways, Uncharted's fun. You know, they play on and pull in a lot of the the stunts and scenes from some of the games. It's kind of like a smattering of a lot of the, the greatest hits of those in the movie. Tom Holland is just fun to watch no matter what he's in. He certainly carries that movie on his shoulder on his shoulders for sure. At the very least, walking away from it, Lauren and I kind of were like, yeah, about a six, six, five, maybe a seven movie. Okay. But we were kind of excited to see where it goes. Because okay, there's cool. a fun post credit scene that kind of ties things together. And basically where this movie takes place, this is setting up the events of Uncharted 1. Okay. it look, I mean, the movie aesthetically looked like 4. Um, and a lot of the story beats look like 4. But it's setting up... I mean, not the specific events of Uncharted 1. I'm just saying from a timeline perspective oh okay so this is a prequel to like all the relationships and for stuff. sure yeah cool. it's just setting up what could eventually be if they want to use the script of the uncharted one game that could be the next film that'd be cool so and especially because like there's a certain particular female character they did not introduce that would be awesome if they introduced in the next film and i think I, this... I don't know who they would have play her but they they would have to pick the right person yeah, better than to, Mark Wahlberg. I'd have to do some research to figure that out, but um, I'm sure the internet has already done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I mean it's worth watching. You know, if if people have been holding out, listen, this movie isn't going to change your mind or like rock your world and say it's better than the games because I go back and play the Uncharted games, at least the first trilogy of games every year or two. Like I love them that much, and you can kind of breeze through them, and they're just fun. They're just popcorn fun type of games for me, comfort food stuff. And because of that, I I ended up downloading the Nathan Drake collection because I I was like, Lauren, we should go through the games now because she's seen me play some of the games. She's seen you play some of the games. But a lot of the nods to the games in the movie, and there's a ton of them, Mm -hmm. she didn't pick up on that stuff just because she's not familiar with the games. I mean, it's similar to – like I watched – I end up watching the Monster Hunter movie as well. Oh gosh. And I mean you you go in really with most video games, probably there are video game movies besides maybe Sonic. Like Sonic did video game two movies just fantastically. Yeah. Um Monster Hunter, you know what you're getting into. It's it's giant monsters and then trying to figure out how they kill it, and it's just over the top. The the overall CGI was fantastic. Just it's just action for action's sake. If there's no plot, well, Mila Jovovich or whatever the main the main actress in that film. One of my favorite guilty pleasure films are the Resident Evil movies. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched the, I watched the first three. Isn't there one coming? A new one coming out? There's a show or whatever. But oh, okay. um, I watched the first three or four of them with my dad, and I bought the collection, but I've not gone back and watched because there's like at least six of those movies or something. I haven't watched all of them, but those are also fun popcorn flicks, especially for my for someone like myself that's not nostalgic or has a such a, a fond love for the games. At least I didn't grow up playing them. Yeah. So when I watched the films first, it just is like, yeah, okay, this is fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a guy thing or what, but like my go-to is just some background actions type stuff. Is like I'm not I mean, I was surprised by La La Land being a musical. I didn't go in knowing that. I just figured it was a really good plot that won awards kind of thing and I think the only other real musical besides like some of the cheesier ones was like Sound of Music or Grease. And, Come on, you've seen Grease. I have seen Grease. But besides that, I mean, I feel like for the most part, musicals are pretty cheesy. Or they're like shoehorned in. Like Hairspray, Zac Efron back in the day. Horrible. Cats, even worse. I think people probably come at you with that comment. But But La La Land, great. I loved it. Yeah, I'm sure there's some pretty good musicals out there. You just need to culture yourself. Yeah, I'm more action. I get it. I get it. You just like meat and cheese and... (laughs) Meat and lifting, wood, chopping li- wood, lifting heavy objects over there. Yeah, yeah. go consuming back. American soil. Yeah, go back to the workout room, Ryan. Okay, let me yeah. talk about the games that I've been playing recently because I've got a nice little plate of good stuff here. Um, I guess I'll preface this by saying that I've kind of been all over the place with games recently, not knowing what to play. We briefly talked about Jedi Fallen Order. I've been going back to some older stuff, picking things up putting them back down, not really playing anything to completion. And so on that same line of thought, I was feeling nostalgic. Lauren was out of town for work. And so I ordered the GTA Definitive Edition trilogy. Okay. Which if you go to the Metacritic scores, I think it's averaging like a two out of 10 or something from the user score because it released with all kinds of glitches and um, just a whole well, assortment of bugs. Do much when it comes to like graphics and gameplay was one of the main complaints as well. Besides the glitchiness, yeah, um, yeah. So it is what it is. But I wasn't really expecting or going in with high expectations. I just wanted an easy way to replay GTA Three and Vice City, which is exactly what this this package provides me. And so a quick funny little story here. So I booted up GTA Three first. And I have so much nostalgia for that game because one of the first PS2 games that I ever got was GTA 3. Got my PS2 when I was about 9, 8, 9, 10, somewhere around there. I can't really remember the specific Christmas that I ended up getting it. And I remember getting Crash Bandicoot, Wrath of Cortex, Jack and Daxter, Precursor Legacy, some Rayman game potentially. I can't really remember. And then the GTA, GTA 3. Mm-hmm. And when I got my PS2, my parents, you know, with previous consoles, didn't really know this until later on in a similar way, but I didn't get a, a memory card with my PS2 when I first got it. So I played the first couple of hours of all the games I owned over and over and over again. That's why Sentinel Beach, the soundtrack or the song that plays there in Jack and Daxter Precursor Legacy, is like cemented in my brain. So whenever I hear that song, it, it, I think that almost helped me 
help kickstart my appreciation for music and games mm-hmm. is because certain songs just got stuck in my head and it just I love those songs. I'm nostalgic for those songs and I just had an appreciation for them because I listened to them on loop for dozens of hours. Yeah. So anyways, GTA 3, at the very beginning of the game, for those who don't know, spoilers for a game that's like 21 years old, you are being transported, you're a prisoner with a couple of your friends, you're crossing this bridge, a couple other your buddies stop the police cars, blow them up, shoot them up, whatever it is, and then you get in the car with one of your buddies and he, he says this line, and I can't recite it word for word. I meant to actually add it to my my show notes, but I don't have it. He says this line and basically says, like, we got to get in the car, go down the street, take a left, and meet Tony, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't anticipating the line. I was just sitting there playing the game, hanging out. And when he said it, it was almost like watching the Simpsons episode where Lisa needs braces, dental plan. Lisa needs braces, dental plan. I know you haven't seen it because yeah. you haven't watched it. It's this. just like a suppressed memory that just comes like flooding back. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. And when he said that, I'm like, I've heard him say that like 300 times because I didn't have a memory card growing up for like the first six months or so of owning a PlayStation 2. Seemed like an eternity. And I just remember that scene going to your hideout, getting your change of clothes. And then back then when I was playing GTA, I just ran amok, blew up the city, stole cars, whatever. Yeah. Right. See how many stars you can get. Exactly. My wanted level, just get that up, yeah. do all the cheats, get the tank, um, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, so that was just a blast from the past. A little shocking. I didn't, I didn't really anticipate that going into the game, but I played GTA three for about five hours, did a couple missions, had some fun, and then I was like, all right, you know, not that GTA 3 hasn't aged well, but there's just, I don't know, the what made GTA so special, I feel like, is what we found in Vice City because it's it's vibrant, it's colorful, you have, you know, the PCJ 900 motorbike thing or whatever, the, the, the motorcycle, um, and then the soundtrack, mm-hmm. the soundtrack in Vice City. You know, Flock of Seagulls, Iran, Toto's Africa. Of course, then there's just also all the different stations where it's just a talk show radio type of deal. And it was funny because when Lauren did come home and I was driving around the city, either listening to a song or one of the talk show radio things was going on. Lauren said, keep driving around, keep driving around. I want, I want to hear what they say, you know, because <laughs> it, it's so compelling. They and- have a ton of dialogue. I'm surprised how much they packed into some of those stations. It's hilarious. And uh, so I had a ton of fun. Ended up playing about 15-ish hours of Vice City. And I got to this point, because again, I've never made it far in either GTA 3 or Vice City from a story mission perspective. I've always just, again, ran around and fucked up the city or whatever. Um, But I got to a point in Vice City where missions stopped showing up. And I looked it up and I guess I have to accumulate enough money buy up more of the properties and then that'll unlock further story missions but in order to retain the idea of i want to unlock trophies i can't use any cheats for money so i have to get money naturally and so i kind of just ended up shelving it because i'm like ah i don't want to run around and do taxi fares or any other way that you can earn money naturally in the game because it'll just take too long to unlock some of this stuff but it was fun to play while I did. I'm sure I'm going to go back to it here and there just for the fun of it. But it was a great revisit and had a fun time. 
if you've been holding out buying the trilogy because of the glitches or bugs or whatever, you might as well just jump in. I mean, I, I didn't run into any game-breaking glitches, and any glitches I did run into, it just made the game laughably better. Yeah. No, I ended up beating Vice City. Um, I really like the, like, let's buy up your town and accumulate, like, taxes or accumulate money from that and like slowly build your empire so that was like one of the first things i did um, but i played it on the psp vice city stories yeah i just sneak that one around because i was definitely not allowed to play uh grand theft auto yeah so that was a lot of fun and then on the same wave of thought of just not knowing what to play ryan what have i played an absurd amount the past eight months platformers keep guessing that's just a given. Horror games? Wrong. Ukulele? Dude. <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for those that have not been listening to more recent episodes, swore off the series, was watching a show called Vikings last Christmas, and I thought, you know, I'm really into the whole Viking thing. I want to do Viking stuff. What better game to jump into than Viking Battle for Asgard on the Xbox 360? I'm kidding. I actually played Assassin's Creed Valhalla and I played it for about 100 hours. I beat it. And then right after that, I jumped right into Assassin's Creed Origins, Mm -hmm. which is the one set in ancient Egypt and then beat that, got the platinum. And then a couple months go by. Everything with our house was going on, stressed to no end, needed something to play mindlessly. So I jumped into Assassin's Creed Odyssey, set set in Greece. And the level gating in that game is just atrocious that and origins it's near unplayable unless you want to throw either money at the game or just obscene amount of hours i feel like odyssey is the worst offender of the new trilogy Mm -hmm. but origins to me was playable i never felt like it in any way disrupted my enjoyment of the game to a certain degree but all that being said i was like you know what i want to go back to the og i want to play one of the older Assassin's Creed games before we went into this new RPG era that we're in now. And I bought this Assassin's Creed game a while back for the sole reason that Austin Winnery of Journey, Abzu, and that FMV game, Erica Fame, Mm -hmm. he composed the soundtrack to Assassin's Creed Syndicate. This is the last kind of mainline game before the RPG era. I think this came out in about 2015-ish, something like that. And this is set in mid to late 1800s in London during the Industrial Revolution. Nice. And I am just having an absolute blast. One of the things that I, I, I didn't know I missed about Assassin's Creed until I went back to the OG was the Batman Arkham kind of combat. No, it was a ton of fun just to get surrounded by like... 10 people i I mean i never played that one i think brotherhood was a ton of fun for me because you could just steal their weapons and just like yeah go ham Mm -hmm. yeah so syndicate having a lot of fun with it for any newcomer assassin's creed people out there or if you only played the first game or you stopped at two or whatever i feel like for the old school era of assassin's creed games syndicate is a great jumping on point Running around the city, I feel like I'm just in a Sherlock Holmes movie with the score that Winnery composed. You swap between a brother and a sister, 
The sister, you play more of a stealthy assassin where the brother Jacob, he's more of like go in, guns blazing, and they kind of cater that that character's weapons and play style to that. Each one has their own mission structure that you have to kind of go down mm-hmm. because Evie, the girl, she has, you know, one way of doing things and that leads you down a different mission path. And then Jacob has a different way of doing things, leads you down a different mission path. Um, so it's unlike the new ones like Origin or Odyssey where you have you pick between, I guess, the male or female characters like to have that character the entire thing. You have to jump between the two. So like similar it, to like a Spider-Man where you have multiple They characters. force you into each of them. Yeah. Okay. But you can, with the the click of a button, switch between one character or the other while you're running around and doing all the various side objectives okay. in London. One of the other things I appreciate about these earlier Assassin's Creed games is just the size of the map, the stuff to collect, the side objectives to do is so reasonable. Yeah. Like I thought back then when I was playing stuff like you know, AC one two brotherhood revelations that it was overwhelming, but nothing can comp- or, uh, prepare you for the size and scope of origins, Odyssey and Valhalla. Those maps are so massive and there's so much stuff to do and collect. And I feel like those Definitely earlier games yeah. to their detriment, for sure. These earlier games strike a nice balance and in syndicate you're running around and doing side missions for Carl Max Charles Darwin, Charles Dickens, in a similar way that you did side missions in Two and Brotherhood for people like Da Vinci. So if that era is your thing, if it, if you've been trying to find an Assassin's Creed game to jump on board that you can beat in 10, 12, 15 hours without doing the side stuff, if you do the side stuff, it takes you maybe 20 plus, check out Syndicate. You can get it for stupid cheap, and it's all complemented by a wonderful, wonderful score that Austin Winery composed. Very nice. Highly recommend it. And then if you're going to go into the the new era, I think Origins is still the best starting place. But Yeah, I'd agree with that. Just my opinion. And uh, final game I'll talk about, Klonoa, the Fantasy Reverie series. This is a remaster, remake, again, I don't know how what you want to call it at this point, but remaster of the first two games, Klonoa, Door to Phantom Isle on the PS1, Klonoa 2 on the PS2, If you're looking for one of the most wholesome platforming series ever, look no further. You can get it for 40 bucks on Switch, Xbox, PlayStation 4 and 5. I'd recommend getting it on Xbox or PlayStation because I've heard there are pretty significant performance issues on the Switch. But uh, the games look better than ever and they sound just like the classics. So been enjoying going through those as well. Very nice. Yeah, look like a good game. I, okay, I, maybe I misspoke. One last game, Ryan. You and I phoned you up, said, hey, Lauren's out of town, living the bachelor life. Do you want to have some bro time? Let's order a pizza, come on over. And we were looking through my uh, horror game collection. Yes. Because we like starting horror games together. We do. We need to start finishing them. We do. Yeah. We do. And so what we ended up landing on was Outlast. Yeah, so we ended up... This one looked terrifying. We looked at Outlast 2 first, and I think we had, what, Blair Witch was another option. We had one about sharks or, like, underwater. Yeah, Submersed, Observer, Observation, Alien Isolation. There was a couple ones we were kind of tossing around, and when I showed you Outlast 2, you were like, hell no. not." not that looked terrifying. Not and then I that. was like, because I get terrified at games, 
Um, but it's still fun. But I, I was thinking that you don't get terrified of games. And you're like, no, I, I actually do get scared. And I was like, ha, all right, this one looks terrifying. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we downloaded that one. And- yeah, so Outlast, kind of to set the scene here, you are a paranormal, supernatural journalist. You show up to this asylum that seems to be deserted, but you quickly get wind that there were all these experiments going on with the patients. The experiments went awry. A lot of these patients became like mutated, nasty ass, weirdo looking people, creature things. And the catch of it is because you're a journalist, you constantly have a camcorder lens that you're looking through. So the game screen is actually you looking through a camcorder lens, recording everything that's going on. It's about five hours. You pull up to this asylum. You have to find your way in. And then you're basically just walking around the asylum trying to stitch together the story of what went down, why these people are mutated, and then eventually it's a journey of you trying to get the hell out of there. Yeah, and you have the camera mode and then you also have night vision, which then puts another kind of layer of, I guess, intensity or strain is you when you're in night vision, the batteries go down. So it's like, do I want to have this on 100% of the time so I can see the craziness in front of me? Or do I want to limit that and go around in the dark, which is even more terrifying? So it's a good balance. Another Uh, thing, too, is no weapons, no guns, no knives, no nothing. You either choose to hide or run or die. That's it. That's That's the pitch for the game. Yeah, I'm very happy to be watching this game, <laughs> not playing it, but it we had a good time. It was a lot of fun. We played it for about an hour, so we probably have about three and a half, four more hours to go. Looking forward to carving out some time here in the near, near future to play that one. Because, you know, everyone says, you know, October, play games all October, the spooky season, it's fun, it's good times. But, like, I have so many horror games, and because I don't stream there's no sense of accountability for really finishing a lot of these games. Yeah. There's no way I'm get ever f- going to ever finish all of the horror and horror adjacent games that I own. So why not just create a new little season, spooky season in the summer, spooky season in July and uh, start tackling that uh, horror game backlog. Yeah, I mean, they already have Christmas in July at some of the water parks. You might as well have spooky season in July. That's right. Yeah. So got about an hour to outlast more impressions to come when ryan and i get some time to play that but uh really enjoying it it is terrifying (laughs) not for the faint of heart but what do you say ryan we've talked about all the games that we've been playing recently we still got to talk about kenobi we still got to talk about stranger things so this is a psa for everyone out there if you have not watched season four of stranger things parts one and two or obi-wan kenobi and you want to well then maybe go watch those shows come back and uh boot up the rest of the episode but if you have watched those maybe go back fill up your beverage kick your feet back up and enjoy us spoiling the heck and sharing our thoughts and impressions about both of those shows ryan you ready to get into it yeah let's get into it all right let's do it
All right, Ryan, here we are in the main topic of the show. As we teased in the beginning of the episode, we are going to be going through Obi-Wan Kenobi, the six-episode Disney Plus series, sharing our thoughts, getting into spoilers, everything in between, and then we will also close out the show talking about Season 4, Parts 1 and 2 of Stranger Things. Should be a good time, but again, just another reminder to the listeners, if you were driving or you couldn't get to your phone quick enough to stop it, we are warning you one final time that we will be spoiling the heck out of these shows, so if you've either not watched them yet and you intend to, or you've started and have not finished them, click the pause button now, come back to the show when you finished both of those shows, or maybe you're just here along for the ride because you just want to finish the episode do not have a half watched or talk about this episode in your queue i get it hopefully i didn't even say it at the beginning of the episode ryan and i usually do i hope this episode finds everyone well yes for sure wherever you are whatever you're doing but ryan let's kick it off let's talk about kenobi first six episodes we've watched them all before we dig into the details overall what are your thoughts i i think Overall, I like two out of the six episodes. I thought they were done well. Um, I, coming off of the other shows that Disney's put out recently, especially especially for like Star Wars related stuff. Um, uh, let's see, you have not the sm- Bad Batch is one of them. I never got through that one. You have Boba Fett. Uh, Mandalorian was good quality. Boba Fett was not so much. I don't have any interest of watching that just based off reviews. Um, so I came in kind of with low expectations, and they were more or less met my low expectations for the first four episodes, and then CGI and some of the choices aside, the last two episodes were great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would tend to agree. First four episodes wasn't over the moon. I would say it's been pretty divisive among the people that I've talked about in terms of their thoughts on Little Leia. You know, coming into the show, I think the way they advertised and marketed it in the weeks and months leading up to the show debuting, they were teasing little Luke. Like we were going to really focus our time on Tatooine. You know, he was there pretending like he was, you know, driving the ship or whatever. And that's where we were going. And then they kind of did a bait and switch type of thing. And we saw a lot more of little Leia. I loved her. I thought the actress that portrayed her did a great job because- She's, you know, supposed to be an annoying little kid. That That's, you know. Yeah, I mean, we see Leia in Rebels. Um, Luke in episode four comes in like, oh, Ben, he's that old hermit. Mm-hmm. Not really having met him. But Leia, I mean, the start of sends that message out to Obi-Wan Kenobi, showing that she knows not that he's just Ben, but he is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. So it ties in really well for the direction that they took just based off of how four starts yeah for sure i I was completely fine with that change there's not much you can do on just a sand planet like i don't know what they would have even done with luke i agree so i I mean allowing for him to get off world like knowing that he'll eventually end up there and see luke and drink some green milk or blue milk but like I don't need him there the entire time. It'd be really boring. Yeah, no, I would tend to agree. So the little Leia stuff, I loved. I'm with you. I don't know what was going on. If Deborah Chow, the director, and everyone that was a part of the production crew for Obi-Wan Kenobi just didn't get a check in the mail from Disney or something to funnel into the production value of the show. But there were noticeable 
like uh, scenes where it was just clearly a green screen in, in, in a very poor way. Like, yeah, I mean, so uh, the Mandalorian has kind of this three D or like a hundred or three hundred and sixty degree kind of ability to change the environment at will, and that's why it looks so realistic. Um, I don't really, I don't think there was any real jarring animation in that one for me but as far as this one yeah it was it goes back to more uh episode three where it's just they're on green and blue things just trying to i don't know the cg you'd think disney would put so much money into this show to make it great you would i mean think. they're bringing back classic characters they're mm-hmm. bringing back hayden christensen they're bringing back ewan mcgregor like the people that like we love and we grew up as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so fun to see some of those interviews and then just kind of reminiscing um, that came out of this. But I would I would have loved for them to do a better quality. Yeah. For- so I think those first four episodes were not so great. Um, it was very much fetch questy or whatever. But overall, um, I'm with you. Those last two episodes brought it home. In terms of the things going into the show, having not seen anything, they checked off most of the list of things that I was hoping to see outside of a couple like nitpicky things. But a lot of the stuff I wanted to see is already kind of baked into stuff like Rebels and Clone Wars anyway. What did you want to see? Like what specifically? I mean, the only other main thing I wanted to maybe see was like Darth Maul stuff, but we get that in Rebels already. So it's not, it wouldn't make sense to bring that into Kenobi, but what we did get and what we did see, like I wanted a flashback with, Attack of the Clones era or Revenge of the Sith era Anakin and Obi-Wan. We got that at the start of episode five of this show. And while I thought they probably could have, again, getting into the production value, de-aged Hayden Christensen because he didn't even have his arm chopped off in that scene. Oh, really? He didn't have the robot arm. So this is at the very beginning of Attack of the Clones era where he maybe hasn't even been reunited with Padme yet. And he looked obviously like 42, like Aiden Christensen yeah. does. Um, so that was, again, jarring, but not disrupting my enjoyment in any way. The moment I saw Hayden Christensen turn around, I'm like, yes, thank you. Finally, you're, it's, a, it's paying off bringing back this actor to play the character. So that was a huge moment for me. Yeah. So episode four was the one where they had the parallel, um, them fighting back. in one of the towers um so the entire episode is structured in kind of comparing this dance that they have uh master and padwan and then how obi-wan or ben is now interpreting darth vader Mm -hmm. in episode four and and it's really cool to kind of go through obi-wan still knows how anakin thinks Mm -hmm. um and how he'll attack kind of the base that they're trying to escape from um yeah, I, I love seeing Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't connect well with the new sequel trilogy uh, characters. They just didn't do it for me. So seeing kind of the good characters back is awesome. Plus, Ewan McGregor is just an amazing human being. He is, and I thought acting-wise, he stepped back into the shoes of Kenobi really well, um, especially during those more emotional scenes, like we'll probably talk a little bit about here in a second, their big grand battle. You know, is it going to rival their battle in Revenge of the Sith? I don't know if anything could rival that necessarily, no. but the emotion in Ewan's face when he was acting and, he, you know, Vader's fate mask was ripped off and Anakin said what he said, 
Ewan's eyes welling up with tears. Like he did just a phenomenal job, I think, with the script and the production value that they had. Yeah, I completely agree. And all in the production value aside, I mean, he just did a phenomenal job, period. Mm-hmm. I think he, yeah, his acting holds up. Hayden, you don't see him that much because he's kind of behind the mask. In episode five, when you do see him, you do feel the pain in some of his mm-hmm. um, dialogue. Um, episode four, I can't really remember. He doesn't really show much emotion besides them fighting, um, which is not like a full kind of spectrum of emotion but yeah I, I think he did a great job as well leia was fantastic reva i didn't buy that character at all no um i think that was probably the weakest for me um so in jedi fallen order which is the game we talked about earlier you have i think the third sister or second sister is the main kind of antagonist for that game and then this is basically the exact same uh concept of a character just copy and paste it instead of the second sister she's the third sister um i like the grand inquisitors as kind of a transition between the episodes like episode three and four as kind of being his uh darth vader's hunting party um if we're not going to do star killer but uh, i don't know i don't know if it was the writing or the acting or a bit of both i just it was not good I, I thought um, Uncle Owen did a good job for mm-hmm. the few scenes that we saw him in. We didn't really see Ant. It's not Aunt May. That's Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, whatever the Ant's name is. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of the main characters. Louis, or Leia's father, the senator. I forget his name. Organa. Organa. Yeah. He did a good job. Yeah. It's nice to see him back. He was in uh, Dexter, which I think is the last show I watched him in. Oh, okay. Um, as one of the main characters. And he's he's always been great. Um, he, we saw... Um, what was the one? What's the uh, the movie that they came out with be, before... Uh, in Star Wars that Disney... Rogue One? Out? Yeah, Rogue One. He's in that one as well. Yeah. I don't think he's in episode four because it came out of forever ago, but... Yeah, it was nice to see him as in Rogue One after watching Kenobi. So they're like, they branched it really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you on the Reva comment. I, I don't think she did anything to further this show in any meaningful way. And I think it was the writing. I just, you know, for, for a while there, there was a particular moment in episode two or three where she allows Leia and Obi-Wan to get away. You know, Leia's captured, Obi-Wan comes in, takes her, they get out. And basically vader comes into the room and she's like sorry you know darth i let him get away and he just like starts force choking her and she's like but i put a tracker on their ship and his only comment is well i under i underestimated you he's like it's like good deal fucked up and they were here now they're not like you should be dead vader would literally take an arm or a leg if someone did that in the og trilogy so that wasn't so believable but then of course they have the the flashback and the story and you understand that okay actually she was one of the younglings that was killed in revenge of the sith when order 66 was executed but where things get even weirder is like okay so i think you got stabbed in the chest or something or maybe you just fell down when one of your friends got stabbed i don't really know it was difficult to really interpret what was going on there because that was during episode four or episode episode five when it was her versus darth vader and they were kind of doing that flashback 
of like uh, Ben had convinced her to like turn on Vader kind of thing. And that's where you learn about like she hates Anakin for killing all of her friends. And you do see Anakin light up a lightsaber into her. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, like you were saying, like she's almost died or should have been dead like multiple times. Yeah. And then Vader stabs her again in the chest and she casually just like army crawls around for a little while until she finds the transceiver. with like no pain or anything like she's like i know i have a hole through me right literally now, but like sweet i'm finding new things no emotion i'm like i i think anna can't you see i mean even episode three he's hurting because he just got scorched by lava mm-hmm. and you can see in everything he's saying after that he's just in so much pain yeah and like reva should be that way and it's either writing or acting or what but it just i don't buy it. i don't want to see if they do uh second season i want her gone yeah i I just want it to be about the characters we care about i think the worst of all of it was the final episode when we're getting this grand battle between obi-wan and vader which i thought was really well done yeah i loved how vader basically crushed obi-wan with all the rocks then obi-wan came back just before vader gets back on the ship and then he just like raises all the rocks and throws them at him and it 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 so Ray did a very similar thing at the end of the Last Jedi or something, or one of them, and I found this CGI to be far more believable or look far better than it did in the Last Jedi. As yeah. far as like concept wise, it was the same, like mm-hmm. raising rocks. Yeah, so and I thought that was cool. But the worst part of that battle, because we know who's going to live and die, because we know what happens in A New Hope. Yeah. Right. So you have to build suspense in other ways that still make the tension seem real and believable to the mm-hmm. audience. And I felt like to parallel that battle with Riva running around Tatooine and chasing Luke was just awful, just terrible. Yeah. Like we that we, or even Uncle Owen and the aunt, like, you know, they're going to be there because they get fried by stormtroopers later on. Yeah. Like. You need something that we care about. Leia, you can't kill them. I guess you could go after the senders, but that wouldn't make any sense. It, yeah, it, it just it ruined the moment of not fully ruined the moment, but it lessened the battle scenes because it was you're taken away for something less suspenseful. I just feel like there was no no reason to break up that tension or that battle scene. Like just allow the scene to play out, and let's not worry about Riva and chase and luke like it just didn't make any sense in the context of the story how did they break up episodes three or episode three's final battle between the two of them i know they broke it up somehow were the, was it between palpatine scenes or what because the final fight wasn't just straight on mustafar i don't really remember i'd have to i mean i want to go back and watch the prequels it, it wasn't for something that we knew would be unsuspenseful though like it was furthering in a plot that we're like oh shit he Anakin's here. He's probably gonna need my help. Let's send Palpatine, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It, I just it was very bizarre. It didn't make sense to me, and it really brought down the overall moment because I was just like, I, no, stop, fast forward. I don't want to see this. Like, let's just go back to Anakin or um, Vader and Obi Wan fighting. So that was weird. But I thought the battle itself was fantastic. Yeah. The dialogue towards the end with like the the disrupted Anakin versus James Earl Jones Vader voice saying like, like going in and out you didn't kill Anakin like I killed Anakin or whatever the exact verbiage was like that was amazing yeah and then you see him wanting to finish him like finish Obi-Wan off but like being unable to like 
if he were still human, he would have been go- able to go after him. But like his mechanized self, which is just repercussions of his formal former fall, is holding him back, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I, I really liked that. And then you get to the end. Um, where obviously Reva lets Luke live and there's no real emotional payoff because that's the only option there. So you're not like super surprised, but then you do get to have that. Hello there. That was, that was, I I was, I was happy to see that where he got to meet Luke. I love how uncle Owen's like, Hey Ben, do you want to meet him? And then Obi-Wan kind of looks back and he's like, okay. And I was like, Oh, they're going to do this. Cause like the first episode, he didn't let him close to him. Yeah. But he's like, Yeah. So he says hello there, and then he kind of walk off, or he kind of rides off into the desert sunset, um, and then you get the the final scene with him seeing his former master. Yeah, him seeing Qui Gon, that was another very top of my list moment that I wanted to happen. And yep. throughout the entire show, you know, he kept saying like "master, master," like as if he was talking to the Force Ghost of Qui Gon, but we never saw the Force Ghost. Yeah. So to see that towards the very end, I thought was such a a wonderful tribute. I'm so glad they brought Liam Neeson back. Yeah. And Liam Neeson in an interview said like there was no way I didn't want to like basically not be a part of it just as a tribute to the world that George created, you know. So I'm glad he did come back and even if there is going to be a season 2 or if there isn't going to be a season 2, you know, I'm just glad that they secured that moment. Yeah, me too. And I I think it ended in a way that to do a season two, you would almost have to do a very similar story to season one. Like, you would almost take away from it. Because you can't do anything with Luke, again, just based off of where the characters end up. Leia, you just rescued her. So I'm sure her parents are not going to let her go off on another grand adventure. Obi-Wan could... I mean, his entire purpose right now is to make sure Luke is safe. So I don't see him hunting Sith Lords or whatever. Um, and he's still going to be there for Darth Maul. So... I hope they just end it here. Yeah. Let it kind of go off into the sunset. And if they want to do a different series, let them do different series. I feel like the only way they, again, they can could do another Kenobi and he goes off and does a bunch of, I cannot talk, do a bunch of random adventures. I hope they don't. Where I see them taking it is Hayden Christensen continues to don the mask. We still have the Darth Vader series would be sweet. A Darth Vader series, I think is probably what the next logical step would be. Um, because there's so much stuff they could do there. And I think the Ahsoka show that's coming out, maybe that'll frame up a Darth Vader spinoff. Yeah. I I mean, this is a pipe dream and I don't trust Disney to do this well, but my, I would love to see a live action Star Killer, mm. just because Force Unleashed. Yeah. Force Unleashed are some of my favorite games and Star Killer is such a like a tortured character and conceptually is awesome. Plus I love the actor who plays him, who also plays Darth Maul's voice actor in mm. rebels. Okay. I mean, that could be a thing, but I also see them really going hard on the rebels live action stuff, bringing, you know, Thrawn and a lot of those other characters Thrawn in. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens, but I'm happy with where it ended for the most part. I'd probably give it like a, six five seven ish yeah i'd probably be around six i was calculate i just did uh what two out of uh, oh, there's my dad <laughs> calling every episode right on time uh i get like i just did the math real quick what's uh two out of six just for like the episodes i liked out of total it was like a 33 percent i i think it's yeah closer to a six mm-hmm. um overall but last time com- go ahead 
two uh, two of the six episodes are great. Yeah, last couple I'll make two. Going back to overall production of the show, one of the things that makes Star Wars what it is is the music. And it was just so notably absent in the first four to five episodes in particular. And it was really the last episode where you get Leia's theme when Obi-Wan hugs Leia at the very end. They part ways. And then when Vader's sitting on his throne in Mustafar, you get the Vader theme. But outside of that, like... Did they have Duel of the Fates during their... I think they might have had Duel of the Fates. They may have interwoven some of that music. But I feel like why wait six episodes? They waited five episodes to show Hayden Christensen's face. They waited six episodes to play iconic Star Wars music. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I I think Ryan, my, I guess, ex-boss was saying basically like a lot of them look like they're filmed within like a Disney studio. Yeah. Um, Especially where like Vader was dragging Obi-Wan through the fire. Yeah. Or like Obi-Wan's running between hills to avoid like the greatest Jedi hunter of all time. That was fucking terrible. What are you doing? And he's just like fumbling around like, oh, no. I'm like 80 years old. Yeah, that was terrible. That was terrible. Like they were trying to almost recreate some like Michael Myers, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween scene. And it's like, this is just not working. This is not working. No. So come on, Disney, do better. Yeah. So when I talk about the music, I'm like, no, that was probably about a six, a six, five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It, It was okay. Ewan's fantastic. Hayden, we love you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's worth watching if you want to keep up with it. Probably unlike Boba Fett. Um, we'll, we'll see what they do. Hopefully they don't keep milking this series. Yeah. We'll see. All right, Ryan. Well, we've come to the tail end. We've got some plans later this afternoon. We still got one show to get to. Yep. Stranger Things, season four, parts one and two. I think I can speak on both of our behalves that going into this season, we were like, Man, I don't want any more Stranger Things. I'm good. These kids are like 14 years old to begin with. Now they're like, you know, 28 and married. Okay, it's just, it's not working as much as it used to. But what do you think about season four? Well, yeah, I mean, so last, I think the end of last season was you had that mind freak or whatever, that big spider thing that like destroyed a town. You're like, okay, I don't know if they can really escalate the threat level for that. And they wrapped up. Uh, Max's sister, her brother, died. You had some lost. Um, and I, I was like, okay, I'm fine if they just wrap it off, wrap it up here. Um, so I didn't really expect anything. I didn't really want anything. So it was, it was hard to start watching. Um, starting off watching the first few episodes, I'm like, I realized or remembered why I really enjoyed the show. Um, the characters are great. Um, the setting is great as well um you just get the vibe of kind of the 80s oh yeah um overall i had a, a lot of fun with it i don't like them breaking up it's just irritating you're either going to release it week by week or you're going to just release it all at once they're like hey i'm going to send you two episodes later on like a month later i still did i mean i didn't, it didn't feel make like, a lot of sense so part one was seven episodes part two was two episodes each episode was just stupidly long which the they're, length of the episodes didn't bother me at all but i don't get at all why they split up parts one and two because i was under the belief that season four was the last season so yeah. then i was like oh okay this makes sense two meaty episodes to bring it all home can't wait to see it all wrap up 
But when I got wind, I was actually corrected by one of our listeners and a good friend of mine. He was like, you do realize that season four is not the last. I'm like, what? Then why didn't they just give us all nine episodes? Because it didn't break up on episode seven in a way where I'm like, oh, gosh, crazy cliffhanger. It almost was just like you press the pause button on a four hour movie, like three hours into it. Yeah, pretty much. I I don't know. Um, I I guess overall, I hope they wrap it up after five seasons. If they go for a six, these people are going to be like 65, slowly trying to run away from the things in the upside down in their walkers. Um, I, I say that about a 19-year-old, <laughs> but they, they're getting old from the 14 or whatever that they started with, and it, it really changes the dynamic. Um, Lucas grew up a ton, mm-hmm. like going into basketball and stuff. Like he's got a full beard now yeah. and whatnot, dealing with high school. Um, no, I, I think overall them aging is a good change. Like them being kids running around um, in their, I guess, mom's basement playing D&D. Can, you can only do that for so many seasons between before it gets old. Mm-hmm. So them dealing with, I guess, more... I guess the interpersonal relationships between them have changed and that changes the the dynamic that kind of freshens everything up. They're still dealing with the underground or the upside down. Um, Hopper is obviously in Russia, which we saw at the end of season three. Um, I, I, I like that storyline for the most part, introduce some new characters. You have um, the guy from game of Thrones who was in there. Um, who was his Russian friend. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't mind that. Eleven kind of goes off on her own side quest. I think they kind of do, they kind of neuter her character because it would, um, it would, probably would have taken away from the season if you had her fighting the main villain the entire time, right? So you have all the people dying within the town and Eleven's off doing her own little side quest trying to get her powers back. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I no, so. I thought it was a great season. They definitely proved me wrong. Uh, it is going to be the final season with five. It'll air in 2024. Again, I just, <laughs> the fact that this show started in 2016 and they're, it, you're really, <laughs> these childhood actors, you're getting them in that like every year, their voice is going to change. They're going to sprout another foot, you know? So it, that whole the believability of all that kind of makes things weird, but um, I thought it was a fantastic season. I loved the varying storylines going on at every any given time. You had Hopper in Russia, you know, and Joyce, you know, find, finding her way to go over and rescue him. Then you had um, Will's older brother. This is where things get messed up because I you watched Jonathan. Like, jo- yeah, you have so you have Jonathan and his pizza delivering buddy. Mike getting high all the time. Yeah, I thought all of that stuff was really well done. And then, you know, everything that's going on with Sadie Sink's character, uh, Max. And I thought one of the best episodes in Stranger Things to date was Goodbye, Billy or Dear Billy or whatever yeah. the heck that episode was. And such a, a an amazing thing. It You know, oftentimes you talk about when a video game might be remade for current generations and a new generation might get to experience that game for the first time or um, a classic 80s movie somehow gets referenced in something in pop culture and then kind of gets new life breathed into it. And the fact that Kate Bush's running up the hill is was like number one. Yeah. And I think it the number of downloads, clicks, whatever 
more so when the song originally released. Yeah. And it's just amazing the reach of a show like this has that a song can play in an episode and then it just, you know. Just things go viral now on the internet and it just. Rises the ranks. You don't know what it's going to be, but when it does take off, it just takes off hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, this season introduced us to someone that I absolutely adore. One of my favorite characters, again, in Stranger Things to date, in Eddie. Yeah. One of the the kind of leaders of their D and D crew, yeah, cult, <laughs> if you will. Uh, and one of my biggest frustrations. I know we're kind of all over the place. Ryan and I are just kind of doing this off the cuff here. We don't really have a whole lot of show notes. Just things that um, kind of key takeaways, highlights, and impressions. But I'm, I just feel like it's so derivative now of you know season one. If we're gonna have to pick a character that dies each season, you have Barb that died, which made sense in the context of like you need to introduce the upside down. Yeah. And then season two, you have Sean Astin's character, um, Bob, I think was his name. Yeah. He ends up getting killed. Sam Sam. Yeah, Sam Wise Gamgee. And then in season three, Billy dies. And then now, season four, you have um Eddie. Eddie dying. And it's just like, man, I don't mind these characters dying necessarily, but it's just kind of becoming the shtick that each time you introduce a new character, whether you like him or not, we're going to kill him off at the end of the season. But our characters, pff, they've got plot armor for days. They can't be touched. I mean, similar to our complaints about Kenobi, it, I mean, kind of in a different vein, but you know that they're all going to survive in the end. Yeah. Like So the suspense and like, oh, crap, is this person really going to die? They're in. They're going in the upside down again. And like you have a lot of foreshadowing from some of these characters. Like we we made it out lucky last time. Like I don't know if we're going to do it. And it's like, okay, so they need to kill off a few of these characters just to make that make sense. And like to keep the stakes high. Like right now, if your main squad's going into these like dungeons and everyone's coming out fine, unscathed. Like I, I mean, besides Max at the end um, and she's. 100% going to make a full recovery in season five. Besides that, everyone's fine. Like coming out of their mission to fight off the the main antagonist. And I thought Max had her moment in episode four where, you know, she gets they're in the cemetery. She says goodbye to her brother and then she gets saved because she's listening to Kate Bush's song. I thought that moment was amazing. Mm-hmm. But then in episode nine, when everything is going down and all of her limbs get snapped and she breaks her legs and arms, I was like, oh, okay, Max is dying for real right now. This is not a great sacrifice, but a great send off for a character that was introduced, I believe, in season two. And the moment that Lucas had with her saying goodbye, I thought was really special, if not gut wrenching. Eddie also dying. I'm like, man, like. Steve might die in season five now. Like, this is for real. They're going hard here. Because they really build up them rekindling Lucas and Max. I mean, just be staking out the house. Hey, you want to go out to a movie after this? Like, them in the back of the car, just kind of, after not fighting, but being far apart. Like, hey, you've changed. And then Lucas changing from, like, the jock back to the nerd. And Max, mm-hmm. like, kind of coming to terms with her brother and everything. Ha- that they emotionally build it up over the season to have her, I mean, almost die and not die. It it just it lessens. I yeah, think. I mean, for me, it was just like, oh, come on, guys! Like the Duffer brother, <clears throat> excuse me, Millie Bobby Brown was I don't know in some interview mentioned that like yeah, more of these characters either should have or still need to die for this show to have like the emotional payoff that we're going for. 
And the Duffer Duffer Brothers quickly responded to that comment and said, this isn't Westeros, this is Hawkins. And he's, of course, referencing Game of Thrones when they were never afraid to kill a character. Yeah. I mean, but that's also why Game of Thrones was so much more emotional. Mm -hmm. Like, you you were afraid that each episode you were going to lose some of the people you love the most. Like, you lost most of the Starks in one episode, and you're like you understand how the other characters are hurting so bad because you're feeling that exact same pain that you you took this journey with these characters and now they're gone. Yeah, and I think there's a balance to be struck, right? Like, I don't think every kid in the Stranger Things gang needs to just drop dead like flies here, but there needs to be weight to the... If the stakes with each subsequent season are going to get bigger, you know, first you had the Demogorgon, then you had the Mind Flayer or whatever, like the subsequent monster was bigger and badder each time... You would think then, okay, well, more people have to die than just the one person you introduced that season, right? That we care about? Yeah, it's like the problem with some, like Goku, is you're always going to, you need to up the stakes or else it's going to become boring. Mm -hmm. You go from like... Predictable. Predictable and boring because you're like, Goku's always going to win. Like, he's the antagonist. You can't kill him off. Pro, but yeah. What? pro? Oh, yeah, protagonist. Um, so you get Frieza and then all of a sudden he needs another haircut and then you get Boo and then he needs another haircut and then you got, they're fighting gods and then you need another haircut and then they're fighting super gods. And it's like, we know Goku's going to come out with a new haircut and he's just going to win. He's going to go Super Saiyan 12 or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind it's maybe not to that extent, but it's, it is like there's, you're less emotionally invested if you know that every character that you like or the main cast and crew is going to walk out completely unscathed and with have someone lose an arm for fucks like you're you're not killing them off but like you're at least maiming them a bit to know like he can't do stuff that he wants to in this cast and crew anymore Mm -hmm. like that would be yeah it's either for i guess how they're looking at it's either they're very much alive or they're very much dead Mm -hmm. there's some gray but like you need some of the middle maimed and the little of death. Yeah. And you know, the, one of the other things that's probably worth bringing up, um, and I want to bridge this to one of the other comments I want to make is one being kind of the main antagonist in this. I think he acted really well in the season, which I thought was phenomenal. Yeah. I did not in any way anticipate guess or know that that young kid, when they were doing the flashback was going to end up becoming one. And then he's the one that actually murdered all of the kids that we for, for to this point thought was 11 because she went psycho, but it was actually her killing him because of what he did sent him to some kind of other portal, which ends up becoming the upside down. And then when Papa comes back, he's like, well, what'd you do? you know, type of thing. So yeah. I thought how all of that played out over the course of the season was masterfully done. So well done. Um, like it, it was, yeah. Like, cause they went and saw the father right in jail. Like he was all blind and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, I totally forgot about that until now. It's like, they misdirect you so much. And then you have one within some of the flashbacks, maybe mid to late end of the season where it's like, what do you think ever happened to the first one? Kind of, thing so he foreshadows a bit and you're like oh that that's right like we did start at 11 from what we know Mm -hmm. kind of thing um yeah i thought that was good pacing i thought so too and the comment i want to make in kind of response to how that all got teed up and kind of going back to your goku comments or comparisons is i'm tired of like two different people 
especially in this case where they're just like holding up their hands using the force and pushing back on one another like i don't want some big showdown in season five just to be those two again two just people on wires just force pushing each other like yeah. it's just not working anymore you know yeah. spray some kamehameha waves and some spear bombs and then we'll, we'll be all good. yeah i just i doubted the duffer brothers for season four and they wowed me to no end i'm still doubting them for season five though because i just don't know how they're gonna raise the stakes in a way where i'm actually on the edge of my seat thinking like are they actually gonna survive but I hope that it all comes together in a way where it's not a perfect bow. I hope people end up dying. There's sacrifice. There's there's some sort of significant consequence to literally an entire city becoming and, hell on earth. And the sacrifice can't just be Hawkins. Because, I mean, losing a town is fine, but it's like they're saying, oh, there's an earthquake. We lost like 25 people. It's like care, random... You could have that be a thousand people. It wouldn't really have any emotional payoff because we're not invested in those characters that died in this earthquake. It's like we need to have gone along on that journey with them to have any type of death mean anything by the supernatural stuff. Well, the other side of that coin, though, is I don't want Hopper to die now because they already teased that in like season two or three whenever he went to Russia. Right. So also make this entire season worthless when it comes to his plot line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, him sacrificing himself to save Eleven again, it was like, okay, but this kind of already happened, but it didn't. And then in a similar way, if Eleven died, it's like, well, she kind of died at the end of season they one. They could kill off Jonathan. I think that would be a good character. Jonathan or Steve. I think Steve would be the one that would hit people more because Jonathan kind of took a backseat this season to smoke and weed. That's true. I could. Um, I think it's so they have a tr. They teed up a love triangle right now between Steve and Jonathan. I mean, it's always kind of been there, but more so this season for sure. Yeah, it's like she was with Steve, and then she was with Jonathan, and now they're having like issues. But uh, the reason I say Jonathan is because so like uh, Will and Jonathan kind of had a moment at the end, and they're still kind of like uh, Nancy's interaction with Jonathan kind of kind of cleaning up the house for 11 at yeah. the end was still a little off and it might just because it have been because of the distance but if you kill off Jonathan you screw up you screw or screw up or you screw with Nancy you screw with Will who are both really connected to that character and Joyce the mom and I guess Joyce as well so it it would have the most kind of branching effect whereas Steve is just more so with Dustin as kind of his main connection. And mm-hmm. I guess the girl who worked at the ice cream place with him. Yeah. But I, I think Jonathan would screw up the most in the group. I, I would like that. He needs to die. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think it's what it's going to turn into is you have this portal into the upside down. Um, you're going to have the giant spider thing come through. I mean, it already came through in, I think, season three. Um, and then you're going to have... Not the Demogorgon, but I guess a bunch of Demogorgons. And then you're going to have one come through as well. Mm-hmm. It's just what that final fight is going to uh, look like and how they're going to make, say, ep- eight episodes out of that. Because mm-hmm. you could have that right now because the portal's open. Yeah. You'd think. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Again, incredible season. Uh, the Duffer Brothers, I don't want to say they can do no wrong because you just never know. But 
They definitely proved me wrong coming into season four, thinking that we didn't need this. Uh, it was excellent. Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely worth watching if you're having any reservations of not wanting any more Stranger Things. And we'll see you back on episode 250 of Otaku Brothers to talk about <laughs> yeah. season five. Gosh, two years is going to be a long time to wait for that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. But um, anyways, Ryan, that's a wrap. That's all the TV we've been watching recently. We have things and plans to get to. And as we come to the tail end of every episode, the first thing I have to say is just thank you, everyone, for continuing to listen to the show I didn't tease up or tease or tee up um, the plans I want to do for next episode. I'm thinking about we do a mid-year check-in about what what were our gaming goals in the beginning of the year, how we tracking towards those, and looking at the next five to six months, what games are we hoping to squeeze in, play, finish for our game of the year talk? Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. I need to consolidate. I was thinking about that over the trip is Mm -hmm. just consolidate where I'm at, what I want to play, because I guess coming off a vacation, I'm kind of in that not fully back, but like ready to find a game that I'm ready to jump fully into. So I I think that would be good. Good deal. And I'll just have 10 Assassin's Creed games. You might as well not even listen to say you're going to at least have four on your (laughs) list by the end of the year. Exactly. But not uh, fully platinum. Yes. Yes, exactly. But anyways, as we get to the tail end of every episode of a talk about you know, what we got to do if you're a long time listener, I got to turn it over to my brother in law, Ryan, any fun facts or parting words for our listeners. Yeah. So it's not so much a fact, but this week, um, there was an amazing photo that came <sighs> out for James Webb telescope. Dude, you were talking about Mario galaxy and I almost brought it up. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's the deepest look we've had into kind of the universe as a whole. And it's just a picture far clearer than what we've seen from Hubble, which is most of those galaxies come out as kind of just a light, like Mm -hmm. what you think of as a star. Um, But it just, oh my gosh, it's just hundreds, if not thousands of galaxies, thousands, like, but like clear galaxies where you can actually see the spiral. It's delicious mind-boggling it's, yeah it just puts into perspective how little you matter yeah um yeah uh, let's make it more glass half how full. in in the grand scheme of the size of the universe with trillions of stars and billions of galaxies how tiny we are how yeah, about that yeah not how little we matter how insignificant you are in the grand scheme of the size of all of existence dude we're gonna change the galaxies we're gonna change the hell world. yeah what's up <laughs> Yeah, no, it was but no, fascinating. Definitely Google that shit because it's it's uh, just giving me a science gasm. It's yeah, great. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Anyways, everyone, we come to the tail end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Consider tuning in in the future because Ryan and I have some fun episodes in the pipeline. And we should be able to get back behind the mics on a regular basis from here on out. Yeah, I think two weeks is good now. I don't Yeah, any- towards the end of the year. So. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Keep playing those great video games out there. Okay, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. See ya.